You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. It's Wednesday, so as always on a Wednesday, well, as always in future on a Wednesday, I'm going to be speaking to Joanne Bainham from Sterling Private Wealth in Cape Town. I'd love to talk about the markets. I'd love to talk about the JSC and what's happening today, but it's it's 2.36 local time and the JSC hasn't opened. It's a disgrace. Come on now. No, it is an utter disgrace. I mean, <laughs> how do you put yourself up as one of the best stock markets in the world if you can't even open up? And that's because of this NASPAS process um, trade at the moment that's been going on. It was huge volumes yesterday, but, but it really is a complete disgrace. Uh, I see one of your regular commentators in your program put a tweet out, which I thought was hilarious. He said, uh, Greg Davies said, well, at least no one's lost any money today. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought that was a great tweet. <laughs> Yeah. But it is an utter disgrace. Yes, it is. And it, was it because of the, the, the sheer weight of orders on NASPERS process yesterday? Is that what it was? Because didn't the volume on the JSC hit $150 billion or something yesterday? Something unheard yeah. of. Yeah. It did. And I think $130 billion of that was the NASPERS process trade, to give you an idea just how enormous it was. So, But they should have – they knew it was coming. They should have been able to handle it. I mean – you, you can't run an exchange and not be open. It's ridiculous. And I, I see processes actually up in Amsterdam. I think that's where it's the secondary listing is. Yes. And, 10 cents, and on top of that, 10 cent results came out today. Okay. So, you know, there was a lot of market moving information. That's just one company we're talking about, but obviously it's huge in the JSC. No, it's, it's ridiculous. Well, it's, it's not true that people haven't lost money because if, if, say, for example, the U.S. markets have a bit of a wobble this evening, then we've lost a day of trading. Come in tomorrow, there's been a gap and the market will gap down rather than go through a smooth process of falling. So uh, it's a cute tweet, but it's entirely incorrect. It, it was just more tongue-in-cheek, Lindsay. Mm, you and I both know it's not 100% correct, but it was just trying to get some silver lining from this. Mm. I mean, you're right, but look, maybe people didn't sell today and then they wouldn't have lost money. Whatever. It could work the point either way. Is the, the, the market should be open. Yes, it really <laughs> so should be. Enough. And I'm sure there's yes. going to be some recriminations on the back of this. So give us an excuse to do something different and look at products and look at some of the brainy people that you've been interviewing since we last spoke, Joanne. So maybe go over to you. What fund managers have you talked talk to and have caught your eye. Okay, so I've been doing a lot of interviews at the moment for Asset TV. I, I help them out now and again. I, I do moderate a lot of their sessions. And I've been chatting to Cajiso, chatting to Foot, chatting to Lorium. And on those panels, I've been talking about local equities. Interesting, quite divergent views um, with Foot saying that they think there's a lot of value still in the SA domestic sector. Cajiso, though, Gavin Woods, who was in the, at the panel, saying that in the long run, he continues to be very worried about the structural problems of South Africa vis-a-vis massive unemployment. So, you know, interesting that you can talk about good valuations, but the long-term structural story remains quite poor, and I would concur with that. When we look at our client portfolios, we still remain very hesitant to be big buyers of SA Inc., and then we had Laurie, I'm talking about the whole 10 cent regulation issues going on at the moment. I, I see there's some new changes again from China. I don't know if you noticed it this morning, talking about how they want to share the income between all people. I don't know if you, if you saw that, that no. came out of China this morning. What do they mean, share and, the income between all people? That sounds very uh, slight shift towards communism. Well, that's exactly the point. I think they are shifting. I mean, supposedly... China is one of the most capitalist economies on the planet. But when they start making comments like that, one gets the krulls and says that's very communist in nature. And they're saying, you know, it's all about their social cohesion pact. 
and that they should look after everybody, which, you know, it's a lovely world we're living in, but that is a socialist communist ideology. And I can only imagine what they're talking about is raising taxes on the rich to, to pay down to the poor. Mm. So, you know, watch the space that kind of capitalist model is looking a bit shaky in China. Be that as it may, though, um, just back to Lorium and their talk, their conversation around the NUSPES process, Tencent issues. They just think the share is incredibly cheap. Um, they're saying a long run view. The share, you should be buying it, and they are looking at buying extra in their portfolios. And if you look at it from a valuation perspective, it's cheaper now than it's been in years. So it depends on your viewpoint. Do you think China's changed the game? And they don't think they have. They still think that China is very much open to foreign capital. They, none of the people on my panel who I spoke to think the VIE structure will be under stress. Um, the variable interest rate, or sorry, variable interest entities where they, you know, as you know, people in NUSPAS and, Ten and Process don't actually own Tencent. They have a company that owns a share of profits in Tencent. But they don't seem to think that that structure will collapse anytime soon. But who knows? Uh, but they're all pretty confident that this is a company you want to be a long-term owner of. And they also believe that the regulations in China are actually for the better of the country, better for anti-monopolistic um, issues. So they're just staying very bullish. So that was local equities. And then I've also been doing uh, bond chats at the moment. I chatted a whole bunch of bond managers yesterday. And, and you'll find this interesting, Lindsay. None of them were worried about inflation, which I thought was fascinating. Local inflation, yeah. local inflation or international inflation, notably the United States of America? Um, global inflation. Mm. So they, they truly believe that what we're seeing is transitory. And no matter how many times I pushed and say, well, this is a, a very different world we're living in now from a fiscal spending perspective, which is different to aid, they, they still felt it was transitory and that it, would go, that it would come off in the wash. So it was a base effect. It was a you know demand issue coming through and supply problems. Uh, what I found interesting is that no one really talked about what's happening in China right now. So China is slowing. But, but they're also going to sort of a net zero issue on COVID. And if you look what they're trying to do right now, they're closing ports everywhere. So we're going to have some more supply chain disruptions coming through into the global economy at a time when I don't think the world can handle any more supply disruptions. So I know you and I have debated this inflation story at length. I'm starting to get a little bit more nervous about it. You know, I, I think this could make this could make things much more difficult going forward. I'll just give you a personal example. I've had this uh, laptop in front of me now, and it's, it's, it's groaning and it's creaking, and the screen's flashing away at me. And, and so, two weeks ago, I thought, right, I'll get I'll, I'll get a replacement. Um, so I ordered the replacement. Well, I actually tried to order the replacement. I went round to all. There's a, a very a large chain in the Netherlands and also other countries, Belgium, and I think it's also in France. It's called Media Markt, and I went there and I, I proudly went up to the counter and said, I'd like uh, a Dell uh, computer. And they said, no, we haven't got any. I thought, well, OK, um, let me try somewhere else. Everywhere I tried, the same story, they haven't got any. So I thought, well, I'll go online and go to the Dell website. And they were very helpful, a really good website. But um, they gave me a delivery date for this bog standard thing, uh, 650 euros, which is sort of bottom of the range, but it's all I need. 20, 28th of September. That's the earliest they can get it to me, which is, well, it was two weeks ago. So this, that's an eight-week lead time for a computer, for goodness sake. And the reason is they haven't got any stock because nothing's come in because of bottlenecks and also lack of chips and that sort of thing. So the manufacturing has been affected. So you're quite right. There are some problems in the whole supply chain. You saw Nando's this morning in the United Kingdom. 
Nando's. Yeah, they're closing down stores apparently because they, they can't actually can't get any chickens. Fifty stores. They can't get, they any, can't chickens. get any chickens. Yeah. <laughs> Unless in the UK, I mean, there's chickens everywhere. <laughs> well, I, I saw uh, the other thing from Nando's. They're going to send some of their staff to help with the distributors so they can get the chickens to them. Yes, exactly. That's right. how bad it is. Mm. <laughs> so I think I think people are being a little too relaxed about the whole inflation story. But then, you know, if you want to go with that theory, you would say, well, look, a lot of the economic data is starting to disappoint of late. And we have seen some U.S. numbers slightly on the weaker side. And I know you've also tried to talk about the stagflation argument before. I still remain of the view that we're going to have positive economic growth and not negative economic growth. But but it is slowing at the margin. And if you want to be a sort of, oh, inflation won't be a problem, you could maybe look to that. But but I think the supply story is what's concerning me. Uh, I think the supply issue is going to be a lot tighter than people think. And this semiconductor story, I saw. I don't know if you saw the notice out of Germany this week. They say it could be a couple of years of tighter markets. Yes. So very interesting. Speaking about inflation, South African infl- inflation came out today and it moderated to 4.6% year on year in July, down from 4.9% in June. Food price inflation uh, has come in at 7%, a slightly uh, slightly better than the, the, the previous month. And in the United Kingdom today, inflation year on year went from 2.5% last month, uh, the previous month, to 2%. So that's falling. So I think the next number, I think your friends are right, uh, these clever asset managers, I think they're absolutely right. It is just transitory. And um, the, in order for, for example, 5% plus to hold in the United States, we're going to have to get some serious rises in commodity prices and everything else in order to maintain that 5% plus. So I think we'll see a moderation there as well. And the Fed has always warned us about that. I was sceptical, but yeah, maybe I'm, I'm throwing in the towel now. I've lost that bet to well, David t- Shapiro. Time, time will tell, but um, <laughs> I do think ESG is going to have a major factor on a lot of these commodity prices. So I think ESG will lead to oil prices being higher for longer. Uh, and that sounds like ridiculous logic. But if you think about the lack of capital going into any new oil projects, we're going to have some major supply disruptions coming on the oil side because, you know, nobody wants to be seen to be putting any money near oil at the moment. So I think oil could be going higher. Then there's massive demand for copper, huge demand for rhodium. And once we get this hydrogen sorted out with cars and semiconductors back in play, you're going to see huge demand for platinum as well. So I actually think commodity prices could surprise the next couple of months when we pass this kind of lull and then could go higher again so i think there could be some commodity inflation coming through and wage inflation remains the big big talking point i mean so far we haven't seen it yet but as i said in the beginning we've had massive fiscal spending what happens when that sort of money comes through the system will will employees have more pricing power let's see but but who knows you know back moving on from inflation for a second though just on these bond portfolios if your view is correct and their view is correct, well, then you want to be a buyer of SA bonds because the yields are fantastic at the moment in real terms. You know, if inflation has peaked and it's going to start falling, you've got some very attractive yields in South Africa. We've got some of the best yields in emerging markets. Fair enough, I listened to a global multi-asset portfolio manager this morning who said one of his best buying opportunities at the moment, and when he was asked, you know, what should you be buying, he said emerging market bonds. So uh, from South African perspective, our bonds are very attractive. Yes, we have the fiscal cliff. Yes, we have to worry about the debt in the system. But but you're certainly getting paid a very attractive yield to take that risk. Uh, you know, cash in South Africa gives you no returns. So that's, I thought, a really interesting message coming out. So these guys, all these bond managers we spoke to, I've never seen them so bullish. Mm-hmm. And remember, bond managers by their nature are quite pessimistic human beings. And they were all pretty optimistic about their asset class. 
But yeah, that people do talk their own story, but I've never seen them as a group so optimistic about essay bonds. And then from that point of view, as high net worth individuals in South Africa, do you want to buy these instruments? You'll be thinking, oh gosh, the interest rates, I'll have to pay tax on it. Well, that's the other thing we do as wealth managers. We are encouraging people to put money into endowment products in the moment, if you're a high net worth individual, because you'll save money on the tax. You pay 30% interest rate, I mean, 30% interest on, 30% tax, sorry, on interest earned versus, say, 45% as a marginal taxpayer. So I think if you're looking for something a bit more interesting than cash, I think SA fixed income looks really interesting. Very good, which is something we haven't spoken about for, for quite a while. But uh, yeah, you put forward a compelling argument. Just to close, the process price in Amsterdam, just down the road from me, is up three and two thirds percent at the moment, up two euros fifty eight to seventy three euros and thirty two. Seventy three point three two euros per share. So there you go. Process is trading. you go. Mm-hmm. Did you see? Did you see ten cents results? Quite interesting. No. A lot of their returns yeah. came from invest, investment returns. Ah. So a lot of the, the underlying companies they hold, because, you know, Tencent is a bit like a NUSPAS. It's an investment holding trust. It's got so many underlying companies. And that's where a lot of the returns came from. One has to question what will happen in sort of 12 months' time, where a lot of those tech companies have come off the boil. Could be interesting times ahead. Okay, that's a good point. Uh, the share price was up this morning. Well, I noticed Hong Kong as, uh, as an index. The Hang Seng was up, so I presume Tencent was as well. But I'll go into that later with other commentators on the markets, if the market's open. Right. Thank you very much, Joanne. Joanne Bainham is from Sterling Private Wealth in Cape Town, and will be back with me same time next week. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organization, employer or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.